welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm here with Nick. How's it going, man? You good? Yeah, not bad, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Going to be moving house soon, which is good. Excellent. Uh, finally, finally got my, my house move going through, so a couple of weeks' time. So that's keeping me busy and a bit out of the loop um, with just music stuff, I guess, really. Okay. So, yeah, what's what's been going on? Anything? Uh, yeah, a few new releases. There was a new song that Machine Gun Kelly put out with Kellen Quinn this week, which is really oh, good. I didn't see that. It came out yesterday, uh, which was on the 29th. Um, except, have a listen to it. See if you think it's a rip-off of Reliant K's Be My Escape, which it sounds like it is in the verses a little bit, which someone pointed that out and read it, and once... I've noticed once I read that, I can't unhear that, and it kind of spoils it a little bit. Okay. Still, still, still okay. a fun song. I'm just going to whack up my title here because I feel I've been listening to a lot of new stuff. Uh, new album by Eternal Boy. Don't know if you if you've listened to them much before, but like they, no. they release solid pop punk music. Have a listen to that. It's called Bad Days Are Over. I was drawn to a song on Instagram this week by a so- band called Ruth Crest. And it's almost like someone's doing a parody of like pop punk, but it's a banging song. So uh, it's called If You Were Here. So have a little blast of that. Okay. Um, Sam Russo, a former guest on this show, put out some full band versions of a couple of acoustic songs he had last year. Go and listen to a song called The Window. That's, That's really good. It's really good. Listen to a bit of a band called Summer Curse, which is this guy called Dave Gomez, who who we're linked with on Instagram and stuff, and I'm linked with on Facebook. Who always put uh, puts out really cool stuff. Uh, I'd recommend listening to them. He also recently um, had a compilation put out. Um, it's like in the style of those Atticus compilations from back in the day, and it's loads of bands like covering Chicago bands. So there's like covers of Mest and. Alistair and stuff like that. Um, nice. That that's worth checking out. I think. Yeah, I posted. Like, if any listeners are interested, I posted about that on our Instagram a few weeks back. So you can you can find that there. That that's definitely worth checking out. Cool. And I think. Yeah, I think that's it. Really. That's a pretty good summary. Yeah. I'm just scrolling through Chorus FM here and uh, saw the main have done a cover of Fallout Boy. Thanks yeah. for the memories. You heard that? Yeah, that any came good? out yesterday too. Uh, it's it's funny. Because uh, I I don't like that Fallout Boy song uh, that will that won't shock you. I quite like the main one. I I do. Yeah, it, they've they've made it sound better. I thought so. Have a listen. See what you think. I'll give it a listen. Yeah. Oh, and here's a post here. Cali Massey on new podcast. Anthony <laughs> and Sam from Cali Massey are the latest guests on the Wasting Time podcast. Ah, uh, you see, Jason Tate's there always good. To, Jason Tate's always good to us like that. What? What a guy. So yeah, shout out to him. Thank thanks for always posting our our episodes, Jason. Massively appreciate that. Nice. Um, but ha- how, how's your ear, by the way, Nick? My ears. My, <laughs> Which my ears. Fi- my ears fine, man. Yeah, yeah. Just had a bit of micro suction done. Yeah, yeah. It's all right now. As soon as I had that done, I was, it was good to go. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good news. Um, just for the listener, the reason I'm asking Nick that is, um, so this episode that we're on now, we when we were about to record it, Nick woke up basically not being able to hear out of his ear. Uh, which is obviously a problem. Um, so he had to go and get that treated, obviously. Um, 
But you'll hear he's not on this episode. Well, apart from this part, he's not on this episode, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. It sounded like you had had enough fun by, by yourself, really. So, Yeah, it was a really good one. So we had D- Davey Warsop, who's, who's a producer, member of the band Sharp Shock. But he kind of found fame being in the Beat Union like just over a decade ago. But he's, he's a really interesting guy. And um, yeah, I just I, I enjoyed chatting away to him as as you will hear in a minute should we just <laughs> jump into it <laughs> yeah let's go for it all right let's do it anyway so this is my my solo chat with davy i hope everyone enjoys anyway man thanks so much for for giving us some of your time it's really cool of you absolutely thanks for asking me to have a chat with you yeah of course well it, it's it's funny because like you know i'm well both you know i'll speak for nick as well we're both sort of fans of you know going back to the beat union days and like kind of you know i've personally followed your career relatively closely since then and um and like as as we were chatting just before we we got on this you were mentioning we had love breakers on the show and like i kind of you know we're you know we're big fans of what they're doing obviously we know about them working with you and uh funnily enough i've i've kind of i've started managing them since doing that so i'm kind of I'm speaking to them a lot and like it's funny you mentioned Christian before because I was you know we were just texting before you came on this I know I know you speak to him quite a lot still so it's just like after all of that we've got to have Davey on you know because like if it even if it wasn't for the Lovebreakers connection there's still a fuckload I want to ask you about your career and what you're up to anyway so just it made sense to reach out to you well Chris I'm flattered mate it, yeah it's it's funny now like time's getting on and and it, it's interesting actually uh considering Beat Union weren't this like massive band or anything. Yeah. I do get hit up a lot and it's really flattering when people go, oh, I've followed you since Beat Union or Beat Union yeah. this, Beat Union that. So fuck man, if yeah, if you if you were a fan back then and you were aware <laughs> of us then I'm yeah, very flattered. Well, it's funny, man. I'll 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 take it back a little bit further. I'm I'm not gonna claim I was a fan before that, but um so what was it? Shortcut to Newark? Was that was that a band like Maybe right. a couple of years before Beat Union or whatever. Yeah, you know your stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done my research, man. No, it's it's funny because, like, you know, I mentioned, like, working with, with um, Love Breakers and I kind of, you know, this is, like, my first foray into that side of things. So, like, I've kind of been reaching out to people, you know, I vaguely know or have connections with, like, from over the years. So I, I had a Zoom with, um, do you remember Rob Hitt, who was in Midtown and then did I, or yeah. still does I Surrender Records? So I was, I was having a Zoom with him last week and, because uh, I think I've got both of you on Facebook and I saw that he'd yeah. put, so I told him about Love Breakers and I said about, oh, you working with them. And he was like, oh, Davey did this. That completely makes sense. And then I saw he posted on your Facebook, like an old demo that you sent him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fun. it's funny um yeah i've been in touch with rob on and off for years and like we it's funny yeah. we're not actually in each other's lives that much but he was one of the first believers in like basically that band shortcut to newark which was pre-beat union we played some shows with midtown i think only maybe like two or three shows maybe even what one or two shows not much it's not like we were like touring with them for weeks or anything yeah. but we opened for midtown and we and um, Rob really liked us, and we would send him demos and stuff. And then when it kind yeah. of became Beat Union, he was one of the believers, just one of, one of those first core believers in, in Beat Union. It, it never really worked out because he was obviously doing I Surrender records, and yeah. he was kind of interested in, in signing us. Um, and it just never, never quite developed. But um, 
he was just he was a believer man so i got got a lot of love for rob because he was always into it yeah no so it's funny so i was going back and listening to those shortcuts and you were uh because uh, it, it, it was on the streaming services i was surprised to see so uh yeah it was cool to go back and listen to that um yeah so like, like we kind of like want to go through your career and stuff a little bit and stuff but i guess i'm just kind of curious as to let, let's start with like what you're up to now like how things are in your studio how things are in uh california and what what's it like with the, the pandemic at the minute and stuff like things um, things relatively open like how's that going right now yeah it's um <clears throat> i think it's i think there's you know i think there's light at the end of the tunnel obviously there's this vaccine now i live in long beach california yeah. which is basically it's la county it's it's part of la but it's kind of you know the very edge of, of la and there's the long beach convention center here which is doing it's mass vaccinating people every yeah. day. So at least in my little bubble, it feels like things are pretty optimistic and starting to change. And I've I've had both shots of my vaccine. Um, nice. So that puts me a, a little bit more at ease. More yeah, more, yeah, sure. My friends in my circle are, are getting it. Um, things are kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, in an interesting one, really, because America's, I think, just so different to the UK because it's so massive and there's obviously so many different states. But at yeah. least in California, it feels like it's been in this kind of middle ground. Like, it, it seems like in the UK, like, you've been on this full-on lockdown, like, really, really strict. And in California, yeah. it feels a bit more like 50-50, like, a lot of places are open, like, people are doing business it seems kind of like limited hours. There just isn't, you know, there isn't indoor dining and there's no shows, but supposedly end of, I forget the actual date, but the end of June live shows are coming back in California, supposedly. Yeah. I mean, yes. that's, that's the date that they're saying. So yeah. I think I'm feeling there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I've got my studio set up here in Long Beach, California. Um, yeah. It is about a 10, 15 minute walk from my house every day, which is lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Growing up in, in Birmingham, England, it's, uh, you know, walking to school in the rain and all that. It's uh, <laughs> thank my blessings every single day. I just walk to my studio, um, you know, looking at palm trees and blue skies most days, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, of course. And don't, and believe me, like I, yeah, I'm grateful for it every day and it never gets old. But yeah, it's been difficult getting the studio going. It couldn't have happened at a shittier time in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, yeah. But I've been busy, just been you know trying to be careful, trying to concentrate on like a lot of mix work and editing work and stuff. A little bit more than having like bands through constantly. And there's a lot of bands that have been, you know, we get tested before we start work and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so just trying to be as cautious as possible whilst you know trying to keep the the, the business afloat when, when did you officially open this studio uh this was last year so officially the first the first thing i did was the new worked on the new face-to-face record which was around may or june last year okay and that's that was the first thing i did and i actually it's okay. a very long story but i actually had to move premises there was a, it's it's a long story <laughs> there was a situation i built the studio and i had to basically move it um it all kind of worked out um but yeah the first the first thing i worked on was the latest face-to-face record which i think is coming out i just spoke to trevor the other day and when did he say i think it was maybe like september-ish sometime okay it'll be out this year 
Oh, nice. What, what was it like working with them? Uh, that was awesome. That was great. They're, they're just, they're an awesome band. They've just, they've been going for years, you know, and I think it's, it's very different when you work with a young band or a band that's working on their first record or, you know, like a baby band yeah. compared yeah. to working with musicians that have just been around the block and they're kind of, right. you know, somewhat legendary now and somewhat old school by today's standards, I suppose. Like they're just... Yeah, of course. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they want. They're incredible musicians. Trevor can just sing night after night after night and never seems to blow his voice out. You know, he can just, he can go for it. Did you produce that record or was it more just engineering, like how involved in the kind of song structure and stuff were you there? It was, it was more just engineering again, because they're they're quite, they're quite hands-on in, in they kind of know what they want. Um, And they'd already written the songs. They actually tracked, they tracked some of it at a different studio. So they started and got the drums done and we were working on like guitars and vocals. So, you know, this is what I mean by that. They're, they're kind of seasoned. They've done it a million times before. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing. So I'm just yeah. trying to record everything, you know, make it a good experience for them, record everything as, as cleanly and professionally as possible, give them a, you know, a, a good record sonically. And sometimes I'll, you know, work with them on, on tones a little bit and have some input yeah. there in terms of like song structures and stuff. And then I suppose I did have a little input here and there with like, let's try this harmony or let's try this vocal melody or something. But like I say, they, they know what they're doing. They, they don't sure. need to hold their hands. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, I guess at this point you, you've, you know, working with like, you know, kind of legends for want of a better word, like face to face, that's probably not as intimidating to you as it might be for others. Cause like, I'm thinking back to, I remember. So like you, you know, you did, all that stuff, the Hurley Studios or whatever. And I remember seeing like an interview you were doing with Mike Ness. And I think it was you chatting to Mike Ness. And so this was around their last record. So it was like a decade ago now. But I remember him saying to you, like, oh, you've just been so helpful on this record and stuff. So, you know, you've been working with people like that for, for some time, presumably now. You know what's funny about that? Is, again, man, good good job. You've done your research because <laughs> you found that interview somewhere. Yeah, I... Um, I worked on, they were demoing, I think, for their new record. That wasn't actually their, new, okay. their record at that time. It was the uh, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes record, but they were rehearsing and demoing, and I helped them. I recorded some demos, basically, for that. Okay. When they were writing in the studio, they were writing and recording for that record, and I demoed everything with them. Yeah, but that was that's a funny one because, you know, fame and, and um, legendary status and all this, it's, sure. it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It's one of those things. If you if you were massively influenced by someone or a big fan of someone, it's a little easier to be kind of intimidated. Like when you're in the room, right. with, what the fuck? I'm in the room with this person. Like this is crazy. <laughs> um, but I'll be honest. I don't know how things are there in the UK now. But when I was growing up, Social Distortion was not a big band in the UK, right. and they're a very obviously again legendary massive band i'm not kind of knocking their status at all but yeah. every band kind of have, has their territories where they where they do better and they have a bigger fan base and and social distortion are definitely a, a southern californian band like they're they're kings of southern california and for me growing up in the uk they were one of those bands even though i was into california punk and hardcore 
they were a band whose like name was on the radar. Yeah, but I've probably never yeah. heard like one song on a compilation or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that, like, because I think like you and me, like, we're pretty much the same age, and like, it was, it was the same, it was the same for me. I remember, you know, obviously, you know the name or whatever, you know, they're a legacy band or whatever. And I remember it wasn't until about two thousand and five, my brother had just randomly bought their live album and he played it to me, and and because I'd never actually stopped and listened to them, and it was a bit poppier than I thought it would be, and like. I just, you know, songs were super catchy and like I, so I got really into them from that point onwards. And yeah, it's always been like with friends I've had in the scene or whatever, obviously everyone knows who they are, but people aren't it. Yeah. People it's, it's not like other bands. People don't seem to know their discography so well and stuff. I mean, obviously they're big enough that they'll always play like Shepherd's Bush when they come to London or whatever, but, but generally you're right that they're not like other bands over here. I mean, people were, people hit me up around that time that I did, I was doing those demos with Social D and did that yeah. interview with Mike for Hurley. And yeah. I remember a few people like, man, you got you got some nerve. You can hold court with with Mike Ness for an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, how was that? Were you intimidated or this, that, and the other? And I remember just being like, it's just a normal bloke, man. It's just, yeah. it's just like chilling with a normal bloke, you know what I mean? But he, he I mean, that's what he was to me because I just yeah. wasn't like worshipping the ground he walked on as much sure. respect as I have for Mike. Mike yeah. is amazing. And actually, I probably became more of a fan because after that, he took Swayded, my old band, on tour. Yeah. And, and then his manager, Shane, started managing Swayded as well. Or it kind of went the oh, other okay. way. Shane started managing us first, maybe. And anyway, I kind of got more in that circle a bit and toured with them and started like right. watching Mike on stage every night. And that's when I was like, Fuck man, this guy's this guy is a fucking rock star. He's like a modern day Johnny Cash guy. Like this yeah. guy, yeah. people worship this. And you look at the yeah. you know, you, you watch the guy on stage, and then you look at the crowd, and you're like, oh fuck yeah, like he's the real fucking deal. And yeah, I'm learning this now, you know. Right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, Davey, that, like that's kind of a good point to you know, because I, I was going to ask about you know the bands you other bands you've done recently in the studio but i guess we'll get to that because you know you mentioned suede head there and stuff so maybe let's let's do a quick sort of dive back into your career and like there's a yeah. couple of because you know as i mentioned at the start followed it quite closely so there's things i want to ask along the way so let's jump back to so obviously you formed beat union was beat union kind of like did shortcut to new like kind of transform into beat union or was it just a completely new band after that kind of fell apart it was kind of it was pretty much a new band we were we were going in this different direction um we'd had a lineup change yeah um, we started working we did a demo with john feldman producer feldy um yeah. he started working with us and we were working on all these new it just kind of morphed into this new so was was feldman interested before like it was officially beat union then Technically, yeah, we were we right. we were already kind of like we were already talking about this change. I was becoming, I think, basically, I started listening to a lot of Elvis Costello. Really, that was a really yeah. interesting one. I kind of discovered Elvis Costello and had been listening to loads of Elvis Costello and started going in more of this kind of new wave pop punkish kind of style. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it was coming out of those maybe sort of more slightly emo indie rock influenced years, I guess, and it was going more towards this like Costello and Clash kind of sound. Yeah, um, 
So I think just sound and influences and the, the songs that I was writing were changing. There was a lineup change. We started working with Feldy and we were just like, this is a completely different, you know, we've been talking about morphing it into something yeah. different and it just kind of, it just became um, something else. That must've been exciting. Like having Feldman interested and in starting to do stuff with him. Cause I, you know, I was in bands sort of in 2003, 2004 or whatever. And it was just like, you know, cause I loved like show off and messed and all the stuff he'd done. And, and yeah. it was just kind of like, Oh, that's, you know, that's the dream to have Feldman respond to one of your demos. So like, that that was a reality to you and it's still relatively early in his producing career that must have been so fucking cool man yeah yeah well again i'll be honest like i wasn't the biggest feldman fan i was oh really i was into the i was into the first few few goldfinger records i wasn't a massive scar punk fan i like yeah i dipped my toe into it i thought there was like a handful of like good scar punk bands but i wasn't like this massive scar guy however you know the first two goldfinger records i thought were were great and i was fans i was a fan of those two records but i wasn't a mega fan so i knew who he was i was totally aware and we sent our demo to him like we we were aware but i wasn't list i guess what i'm trying to say is i was a fan of the first two goldfinger records yeah i wasn't a fan of the used right right yeah because obviously that was his big thing yeah yeah, I wasn't. I guess what I'm saying is, I, I'm not. I'm not dissing on Feldy here. I was a fan of Feldy's band. I wasn't a fan of Feldy as a producer. I hadn't really, you know, I wasn't like you're saying. I wasn't yeah. listening to Messed, Show Off, or The Used. I wasn't really right. listening to that stuff. So again, it was that thing of not quite being too starstruck from it. Right. Um, however, I was still. That's what kind of tipped me off to be like, oh, okay. So he did The Used. All right, I know of that band. They're fucking. Everyone likes that band at the moment. Like I say, I just wasn't as emo screamo as everyone else. I wasn't really yeah, doing yeah. that, I think. Um, but no, it, it still was, like I say, I'm, I'm not playing it down. We were completely, like, we were rehearsing like four or five nights a week, trying to book as many shows as we could, constantly writing. Like, we were, like, living our band, and we were trying to make yeah. that dream, you know, of just, like, yeah. like, I was, I'd worked in, a fucking brush factory. I'd worked at Asda. I'd worked in warehouses. I was washing cars at the time. Yeah. The car valet in a, a car dealership, like working minimum wage jobs. I just were really soul destroying. And I just read Henry Rollins get in the van. And I like just really wanted to do, I just knew that I knew that maybe the DIY thing, cause I grew up in the very DIY scene. Yeah. And I think that that is totally a part of my, heart and a big part of me but i kind of came to this realization of like this diy scene that i'm a part of like is just going to keep me working at asda so i definitely you know at this time it was just like it's going to keep me washing cars keep me working in a warehouse or a factory i want i kind of wanted the major label record deal is kind of what i was after really as as lame as that kind of sounds it was just like I wanted to tour full time. I wanted to be a musician. I just wanted to do what I was good at and what I felt I was put on the earth to do rather than yeah. work a minimum wage at a job I was just soul destroying. Um, so we were going for it and working really hard. And John, we'd sent our demo over to John and we weren't, you know, thinking about it or expecting it. Actually, I'll tell you one thing. We were in our rehearsal studio in Redditch. Right. When I say we weren't expecting it, we were t- we just finished rehearsal. It was about 11.30 at night, and we were sitting on the sofa, and Dean said something about, like, 
man, it would be awesome if John fell because he was a bigger Dean was a bit more into the use and he was following the okay. John production career a bit more. And he yeah. said the words, man, it'd be fucking awesome if we heard back from John Feldman. That would be that would be the one, really. Yeah. And it was just a, a fleeting comment. And 15 minutes later, <laughs> the, the phone rang. I think it was Luke's phone. And he was like, that's not an English number. And oh. again, Luke wasn't, Luke wasn't even a fan of, really, of golf. Like, like I say, Dean was like the bigger fan of everything John had done. I yeah. was into kind of like early Goldfinger. And Luke wasn't really aware, I don't think. He wasn't that big a Goldfinger fan or anything. Um, he wasn't as deep into that punk American punk scene, really. So Luke answered and was like, who? John who? <laughs> John Feldman, <laughs> you know? And me and Dean looked at each other and were like, what the fuck? Yeah, and um, that's how it started. But he called us. And I have to, sorry for the long story, but... No, is, no, 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 please. Like, yeah, I'm all about this, man. Thinking about it now, like you saying that stuff, when I think about my life now, I mean, that was 2005-ish. So we're talking like 15 years later and I'm living yeah. in Long Beach, California with a studio and kind of pursuing this life. When I think about that now, it do, you, I don't always, it doesn't always feel like life has never turns out the, exactly the way you hope or you plan, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I look back and go like, man, to, to remember that person that I was and the, and the dreams that I had, and like you say, for a lot of people in that scene, for that to be the goal, like so many bands wanted some attention from a producer like that. Sure, it sure. It really was the fucking goal. And I don't know, we never topped the charts and, you know, we never became the next used. That wasn't that wasn't our story. But we did some cool shit, man, for lads from, from like Bromsgrove, Redditch, Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we did some really cool shit and I'm still I'm still kind of hanging on to that dream every every single day. Honestly, when I think about like setting up my studio here, I get I'm so scared and nervous for like like anyone does. When you make a big decision in your life, it's scary. And it's honestly, it's that little bit of luck that I had back then that yeah. spurred me on to do it because I go, I didn't you know that you know that saying, I didn't come this far to only come this far. Sure, sure. So it's the fact that I got that opportunity, I got that shot, we signed a deal in America, I ended up out here. It's all those things that makes me go, I can't, what am I going to do? I'm not qualified, you know, I never went to university, I come from the minimum yeah. wage working world, am I going to go back to washing cars, am I going to go back to working at Asda in Bromsgrove? And I go like, I can't, I'm not, I can't go back to that, so you just got to keep pushing forward. So you yeah, do. for sure. But there, I mean, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but there, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a little period when you kind of came back, when Beat Union kind of disbanded. Because I, I heard you on uh, Mike Carrera's podcast the other week and uh, there was a bit where, wasn't there a little bit where you kind of went back and you were just like, no, hang on, I need to go back out yeah. to California. That, that, that little period right there is exactly why I know that I don't want to go back. When I say yes. about yeah, 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 that's good. decisions in my life today, the reason I know I don't want to go back is because I went back for a few months. You know, the band fell apart. The record deal fell apart. Yeah. Um, I moved in to the spare room at my dad's house and I rented the room off my dad. You know, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. So I'm, you know, I'm, I had to go, I, I, mo I move in with my dad. I'm paying rent at my dad's. Yeah. Um, I, I go back to work at my old job delivering car parts and I was just like, it was like I'd achieved everything. I'd got everything I wanted. I got the record deal. I toured with everyone. I've been around the world. I'd met all these bands, shared stages. 
Yeah. All these bands that I admired. And then I went back to square one and it's like, there's no, there's no shame in, in square one. Like I'm, I, I love where I'm from and, and, you know, I would go, that, that's the thing. There's always that feeling of like, I will go back to that. Work. If I don't, if I don't keep working hard and pursuing what I love, if I yeah. don't want the chances with my studio, then I will go back to that, you know? And it's like, right. I'm willing to go back to, you know, you do what you got to do to pay the bills. You know what I mean? And that's what I did at the time. That's what I was doing. Yeah. Everything yeah. had fallen apart. And I went back and just had to save some money, pay the bills, rent a room, get on with my life, you know? But from that little taste of it, I was just like, I don't, I don't want this. I've got to keep pushing forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fair play to you. Just going back to the beat union. Cause sorry, I jumped ahead there. When you listen back to that record now, how, how do you, how does it sound to you? Cause like, I honestly, I'm not just saying it cause I'm talking to you. I fucking love that album when it came out. Um, I just love the kind of, you know, where it lay sort of, as you say, sort of in between sort of pop punk, but obviously the massive Elvis Costello kind of, you know, new wave sound that I had going on as well, which was really cool because it kind of, it, it really stood out at the time. You know, I can't remember too many other bands that were doing a similar sound. And I remember like reading interviews with Feldman around it and obviously he's invested, so he's going to be positive about it, but he would, he'd really be like, you know, Davey is a star and his voice is amazing and this band's going to be huge. And, you know, that kind of all made sense to me because I thought that record was, was really great. And, you know, I hadn't listened to it for a while. And then, you know, obviously in the run up to this, I was revisiting it. And, uh, the, you know, the c- couple of things like that maybe don't sound as good to me as they did at the time. But overall, I think it's a fantastic album still. Just wanted, with it being your own, how, how you feel about it now and the last time you revisited it. Thank, well, first of all, thanks, mate. I'm glad that if that record made an impact with you, it means a lot. That's that's awesome. Um, you know what? I don't listen to it much, and I haven't listened yeah. to it in a while. But it's it, funnily enough, I did revisit a few tracks, like literally probably just a few weeks ago. Maybe after it was talking to Mike, actually. On oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it it made me re-listen to a few. Um, first of all, I'm really proud of it because again. Yeah. It, okay, the, the, the first thing is just like I'm proud of it. Like I say, lads from working class kids in minimum wage jobs that, you know, we weren't the type, we didn't, we didn't do A-levels, we didn't go to university, we were just working like, you know, in minimum wage jobs, yeah, doing the music dream. And that's so like pure and raw and real, you know, and the fact that we broke out of our hometown and achieved what we did and got that record deal made made an album in California and signed with a subsidiary of Warner Brothers and yeah, all this stuff. Like it's it's pretty incredible. And at the time that that was like the dream and it's and just to think that we did that when it could have so easily like not happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of you know, course. So many, so many people dream of it and work towards that stuff. And we had some stuff going on anyway. Like we had I think Radio One had started playing us just before Feldman started working with us. Um Oh really? Okay. Yeah, and I think we just got an agent. There was a few we were starting to make a little little bit of buzz for ourselves. And it yeah. all kind of came at once. So I remember like this show never went ahead for some reason, but Tim Armstrong got interested in us. Oh, wow. Okay. 
and somehow, not like directly, but somehow, like he got us on a transplant show. I can't oh, remember right, okay. what went down, but there was some, there was little bits of buzz. Mike Davis was playing "Can't Stop the Radio," the demo yeah. version. Okay, yeah. Sent it to him, so Mike Davis on Radio One was playing it. I think that's maybe how Tim Armstrong discovered it. Anyway, we got a we got a transplant transplant support slot at London Astoria. And maybe an agent came on board and we, yeah, Mike Davis on Radio 1 was spinning us. And yeah. there were these little things happening. But then the fact that Feldman jumped on it and that kind of it made it, it just made a bigger explosion. It's unbelievable, really. Yeah, when I think back on it. So I try not to damn, damn play it. You know what I mean? I go like, fuck. Yeah. The fact that we did that was, a, that was an achievement. That was a real success. Um, musically, I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud of the songs. They're definitely. It feels a little dated now. I I feel like lyrically a little outdated. I was a I was a young man. Like a lot of and and a lot of those songs were written before we actually recorded the album. So I was probably a lot of those songs were written when I was probably around like twenty two, twenty three ish. Yeah. Well, there um, you go. And it's funny because and times change as well. Because like you know, as I said before. I think I think we're saying are you, are you born are you born eighty two, yeah, yeah, me too. So yeah, we're the same age. And like when I heard those songs at the time, I just yeah, it, I didn't. I thought the lyrics were good, blah blah blah. And now I listen to them now, and like you know, not all the lyrics, but there's just the odd bit when you're like, oh, okay, I don't think he would have written that today or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's funny, it but just, that's always going to happen. I, I was young, yeah, and there's a, there's some sappy love songs on there, which. I'm all about. I'm still a romantic, <laughs> but I yes, just don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't really write such emo love songs as I think, or heartbreak songs as, as I was doing at the time. You know, and everything's yeah. a bit more, um, a bit more melodramatic when you're younger. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, of course. Like I say, we were bridging a gap at a, a, a bit of a strange time. So I feel like there was this like emo thing going on. There was this yeah. like emo had, had advanced from bands like the promise ring and braid yeah into what i call like more like hot topic emo like like sure. your paramours and your fallout boys and your you is what we aim for us and all this and we were we were playing with a lot of those bands so it was this time where there was definitely that kind of like th- there was a slight emo emo ness to us during that time and our production style yeah yeah. But there was also, yeah, there was this this kind of old school throwback to like Elvis Costello and the police and the jam and like modern punk culture. Yeah. And I think there was a bit of that post-punk like block party was a big band at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You can the, hear the, that the, in the, there as well. The disco-y block party kind of gang of four early 80s. Yeah. Thing. So it's like we had to answer your question musically. I felt for a long time it didn't date that much, but I, when I listened to it recently, I'm just like, ah, it's very. It makes me think of that kind of MySpace era, basically. Yeah, right. Okay. But we well, were like, um, we weren't. There was all those emo bands, and we were playing with them all. But like, I had a suede head. I had a shaved head at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we weren't <laughs> doing those like haircuts. You know, we weren't one of yeah, those yeah. bands, so it was like we didn't we didn't entirely fit. And I think ultimately, those types of bands that don't entirely fit. You yeah. either start a new thing and you fucking explode. Yeah. Or you do what we did where we kind of like, we had this like semi-success and we got out there, but we didn't quite catch fire and become the next big thing. And it kind of... Yeah, that that's it, isn't it? Because like if you're doing something fresh in, in a, 
you know, like say, as you say, you're kind of in that genre to an extent, but you bring something fresh to it. It's either people are going to love it, but uh, or they're going to kind of like, oh, hang on, no, but this is kind of this sounds like it's emo pop punk, but it's not Fallout Boy. He sings too differently for that, and you know what I mean. And it's just, it just, it has to strike the right chord, and sometimes it just kind of falls off, and I don't know, it's frustrating. But it's it's funny, like you 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 mentioned it, like making you think of the MySpace era, because I'm just thinking of the album. I'm like, ah, oh, what you know, when I listen to it now, what what's my favorite song from it? And it's probably the, the opener still, just because I, lo- I love the melody on the chorus. Super simple, but it works so well. But you even say, I think, in the first line about, don't want to go to their MySpace. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I actually think that's like, I mean, I was discussing that with Mike as well on his podcast, but I, yeah. you know, I, do, I do think that's, that's uh, it's, it, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing, but I kind of like it. It's it's definitely referencing an era, and and that's what it was. We were a time and a place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was what were some of your favourite tours in that that sort of timeline when when you were kind of touring that record, or or just before when Beat Union when was in its prime? What were some of the highlights? Um, as you said, you played pretty much with everyone at the time. Yeah, we were. We I got to give a shout out to Russ Warnock from the agency group because he was he was booking us. And he he got us great opportunities, man. He got us playing with so many bands, so many tours. Yeah. It was awesome. I think that the very first like big pro tour, probably where we made this, when we were doing shortcuts in Newark, we were doing more DIY tours, and we did yeah. a tour with an Australian band or a New Zealand band. I can't remember exactly where they're from. Called Ste- called Stereogram, and that was kind of on a. Oh pro yeah, tour. yeah, I remember them. Yeah. So I'd had a taster of kind of pro-level touring, but yeah. um, really it was when we kind of became Beat Union and that band officially started and we and we, we actually got an agent um, and Russ, um, I think it was Russ, I, I don't know how it ended up, but the, the, the first big tour we did basically was Taking Back Sunday. Okay. So I got to tour around the UK with Taking Back Sunday. Yeah you know, massive crowds. I remember we did Shepherd's Bush Empire in London and that was just like, you know, that that's going to be a standout because that was just like, fuck, man. that was the first time I thought, fuck, we're doing it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're playing to massive crowds, you know, and, and, and then we continued to play with everyone under the sun, it seemed. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you of course get a little more jaded. It's not it's not quite as exciting as that first time, you know. Go, yeah. Going to America and Japan was a big one, so that was those definitely stand out. You know, playing playing the Warp Tour was massive for us because we grew up kind of like dreaming of that. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. You know, going to Japan was was that was just you feel like you're on another planet. That was incredible, and that was actually our biggest. That was my most kind of rock star moment because you go to Japan, really? yeah. Um, it's like it's crazy. I think we'd had we'd had a video on MTV there. I think we'd had a song on the radio there. We had yeah. fans. You know, we go to our hotel and there's a handful of fans outside our hotel throwing magazines and CDs at us to sign. You know, you open a magazine and my face is in there, <laughs> and you and it's like you barely even remember doing. And you're like, okay, I think yeah, I did that interview over the phone in English, but it's been it's been taken and put into Japanese for a Japanese yeah. magazine. And yeah, just yeah. when things start getting beyond your control, yeah. you know, you take care of your own little bubble. And the fact that you can just turn up in Japan and be like, 
what's this magazine I've never even heard of before but <laughs> you want me to sign it as I'm walking into my hotel yeah that's crazy and absolutely ridiculous it's ridiculous mate that, that kind of experience is like and you understand how like how people like you know your Kurt Cobain's or your Amy Winehouse's of the world yeah you know I was just dipping my toe yeah so you just got like a little taste of that and yeah so you can see what life is like generally for them yeah that was mental for me the fact that it can be it can be so intrusive and invasive and it can also you know but it can also what that can also do to your ego and like like i say i was only dipping my toe in the water so i don't think i turned into a fucking arsehole rock star overnight you know, I really yeah, don't think yeah. it did, but you just see like, man, if you're given that to an extreme level day in, day out, like, of course, it's got to just mess with you or turn you into a drug addict or make you want to kill yourself or whatever. Right. Like, I don't know how people handle that type of shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll not make you go into this too much because, you know, I, was, I heard you on Mike's show talking about it, like, but like you were kind of saying like the, the, the beginning of the end of Beat Union was sort of like when you have that unfortunate incident where you, you kind of... You, your van got broken into, I think it was, and you got ripped off for a load of stuff. Was yeah, that that was kind of how that came apart, and then kind of led to you, you know, as you said before, having the period back at home and stuff. But it's funny, like my, you know, I'm thinking back to my timeline and knowledge of Beat Union because, as I said already, you know, I was a big fan of the album, which I think was 2008, and then obviously there was nothing more from Beat Union. But the next stuff I remember from you personally was uh like just from your own personal my well not personal myspace page but like your music myspace page and i remember i remember you had a song called was it Fo- photographs remember that one yeah yeah and like it's it's funny man like i i, I like not too long ago i was like trying to i was scouring the internet to try and find that song because that's a fucking good song man I, I remember i really loved the middle eight on it and it's just a really good pop song um so like you'd obviously i had you, had you were you kind of trying to start a thing like in your name like because i think i can't remember what it was called but it was like davy and the somethings or am i imagining that that um first of all the photograph was in the batch of demos towards the second beat union record uh, okay oh that uh, makes sense okay so that was i remember there was a batch of demos and the two songs that kind of sub- like got their way out there to some degree was photograph and then a song called young and in love which became a suede ed song from the next band okay yeah. yeah photograph was what it was was um i'd done all this stuff i was doing a bit of i was almost like a, a, a spokesmodel for the clothing brand hurley yeah when we we're on walk tour they they asked me to um interview a load of bands for their website because yeah. they were sponsoring the tour and it's it's a funny thing because a lot of bands they asked a few bands, a few people on that tour to be like reporters for the tour because they were quite right. hip. Web, you know, social media was starting to come in more and more, so they were very turned on to like wanting to have people involved in like like any kind of musical personality, I guess, be a host for at their website where they could like Got be you. Yeah. and stuff and and bringing like daily content to the Hurley website about what was happening on Warped Tour. Um, and they asked a few people to go around and interview bands and apparently no one wanted to do it. Everyone kind of bottled up and was just like, oh, nah, not into it. So I wasn't even the first person they asked. I think I was like 
the third or fourth down the list. Right. Yeah. And they were like, they asked so-and-so, but they didn't want to do it. And they asked so-and-so from this band and, you know, maybe they thought they were too big a deal or maybe they just were scared of doing it or they just didn't want it. I don't know. But I said, yeah. I was just like, what, you're going to give me a microphone and follow me around with a video camera? Yeah. The equivalent of like being at Reading Festival kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. interviewing yeah. bands and talking bad and, and and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm just on tour in America having an absolute dust. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be awesome. So I just said, yeah. I wasn't even the top of their list. And I said, yeah. Um, and I think that's a big thing in life is just, again, from the, you know, getting that opportunity with the band and going to America, it's, it's made me more open to, I don't want to get all hippie, to, I guess, like the universe and just like, if you're throwing an opportunity, fucking right. grab it with both hands because I could be back at my dad's house renting his spare room. Sure. Working in a warehouse, do you know what I mean? So yeah, there's all the yeah. thing of, yes, just you're offering me something. Yeah, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to do it. So yeah, I went for it. That's kind of how it started. And I was interviewing all these different bands on Warp Tour. And that kept me like shaking hands with people and meeting people, I suppose. And then once Beat Union officially broke up, Hurley had contacted me again because of that kind of involvement, um, asking me to do some modeling for him. Because um, they would have. It's very flattering. Exactly. And <laughs> I'd never had an opportunity like that in, in Bromsgrove, Birmingham, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, actually, they'd already, they'd, I say that, they'd already had me do some modeling before that happened. So I kind of was already had one foot in the door there, but they asked me to come back. Anyway, I went back out to America and did that kind of, there was a gig modeling. I guess it was, it was just kind of like an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, so technically at this point I was bandless, but I was a Hurley model. It was right. all vague and I didn't know what I was doing. And Hurley had this recording studio. So I just started recording songs in there. In my right, spare okay. room, and that's where Photograph came about and um paul gomez who was one of the guys one of the guys at anr science records so he was one of the guys that signed beat union yeah and was working on some kind of publishing deal and he wanted to like have it didn't it didn't pan out but he wanted to have me as like basically just writing as a songwriter writing songs and we'd be getting you know publishing money for these songs so at this point i was just recording stuff and i didn't know if i was going to be a solo art it, it wasn't really meant i wasn't meant to be a solo artist okay it was just these songs didn't belong to a band so they were just kind of i think just one or two songs made it online and i just made up a name or i remember yeah. there was there was another song on 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 that myspace as well that was i think she was called Kristen key so i i i assumed that was a song you'd written Hearse, like some pop star, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, she was. Um, she was uh, an artist that Feldy was working with, and that was uh, okay. Okay, Feldy because he had me. I think we were we were touring with Goldfinger, and Kristen was opening some shows, and he said that me and Kristen should write a song together. And oh, yeah. So during, she was opening some shows and then Beat Union playing and Goldfinger. And just, um, I think in like a hotel room or something, me and Kristen wrote that song. It was uh, called okay. Sorry. And I haven't heard it in years. And it was, it was one of Feldman's um, projects that didn't quite 
take off, you yeah. know. And yeah. this is where yeah. I go again, look back, and I'm so grateful for what Beat Union did because, you know, Kristen never got a deal. We worked on, we wrote that song together, Feldy produced it. Yeah. Um, but she, her thing just kind of crumbled and she, she never really broke out of her hometown scene. Yeah. You know, it just goes to show that, like, yeah. you know, she kind of didn't really do anything. And the used was something that Feldy worked on that I just think like smashed the fucking ceiling off everything and beat union was maybe just somewhere more in the middle. So I'm just so grateful that we kind of made it work. Yeah, of course. And obviously gave you a leg up to kind of take things further in your career. So, so I guess, um, obviously you mentioned suede head a, a few times and yeah, I, you know, I remember when you formed that band. So when would that have been like early 2010s, I guess. Yeah, Suede was about 2010, I think. Yeah. Uh, or actually, I, I was writing throughout all 2010. I think we released our first EP actually in 2011. Um, I was just, uh, I was just trying to write as much as possible. You know, my band had broken up. I was in America yeah. at this point. I'd kind of. I was still kind of modeling, but I'd kind of taken over. I was engineering at the Hurley studio and kind of overseeing that. That had kind of turned into a day job for me, but I was just writing as many songs as I could in my spare time. And I always loved like talking about the kind of Elvis Costello and the, and the jam kind of influence. I'd always loved the the slightly more latter day stuff of theirs or not, not, I shouldn't say latter day, but a few albums in, when they both those band and artists kind of dip their toe in this kind of like soul and Motown thing. And, yeah. uh, and I grew up on the film, the commitments as well. That was a massive influence in my life on, on just, yeah, like, yeah. great, just great film. Bit of Ronnie yeah. Doyle. I obsessed on that film, man. I would, I, yeah. I, I taped it and I would watch it every single day after school, like, obsessed. And, uh, <laughs> It just yeah, that was that was my first kind of eye to kind of wanting to be in a, in a band, and um, so I was just trying to I was just messing around with this kind of I'd, I'd always been into kind of soul and Motown and just kind of started messing around with that and then yeah, it eventually turned into into Suede and kind of became a became a real I had like you know all these demos and then it was actually working with Social D okay. Mike asked to, hear, asked to hear some of my demos once we'd finished working one day. I played him a couple of rough demos. It was Suede wasn't even a band. Um, and then he even said when he was sitting in the room, he was just like, man, you'll have to come out and play some shows with us. Uh-huh. And of course, you just think he's just passing the time of day being nice, you know what I mean? But he yeah, actually yeah, yeah. followed through, hit me up to go and open a few social D shows. So I just, I literally kind of, just went, and I'm this person that's like, you know, Beat Union's broken up. I haven't really got a band. I've just got a load of demos. So I'm just like, um, yeah, I'll make it happen. Yeah. So I kind of rally a band together as quickly as possible. And then we play the first couple of Social D shows just for a dust, just for a laugh. Yeah, yeah. And they were really good. And so that was literally the point where we just like, man, we've just rallied this band together in three weeks <laughs> and open for Social D. Let's... um let's just keep going. So that nice. was waited. But I've got to ask you, it's always oh. interesting when, what did you think of that? Because I always felt what Suede was 
obviously it was still me writing all the songs. So I feel like it, yeah. it kind of had something in common with Beat Union, but I always, I wanted it to be kind of a departure and a different thing. So I don't know how that sat on, for, for someone yeah. like you, who was obviously such a fan of the, the disconnected Beat Union record. Yeah. What, how did you feel here in Sway Dead? Were you like, were you stoked or were you like, what's this? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, and I want to be, completely honest and not just to be sick of antic here um yeah i so i i i, I definitely wasn't at the, the end of the scale i was like what's this what, what is this shit um I, I i did like it i didn't like it as much as you know the kind of disconnected sound of beat union because mm-hmm. like you know like i'm kind of you know i have a broad spectrum of music that i like you know like like yourself like i love soul like sam cook i think's the best singer songwriter of all time blah 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 but fundamentally i'm i'm like i'm a pop punk guy and like i have been since since i heard what's my age again in the summer of 99 and like that's mm-hmm. like that's my main thing and what i loved about beat union it was kind of like it was like taking that sound but putting the kind of elvis costello english kind of stamp on it Mm. um you know that's what i really loved about what b union was doing and obviously you know suede heads wasn't really that but yeah. i was a fan of you and your songwriting and like i've kind of been following your career so i kind of you know when i heard suede head i wanted to like it as a fan of yours already so i was kind of so i was partial to it and it would be interesting like if it was someone i'd never heard of completely if i would have liked it as much and like I can't really be objective there. It'd be interesting to know, but like, so I guess my answer to your question is like, I did. Yeah. I did kind of like it, but I wanted to like it because I was a fan of yours. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 If you'd heard it, if you'd never heard beat union and you'd heard it with fresh ears, you might not have liked it as much. It was like, you exactly. already, you'd already been introduced to it, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, uh, but but I think that's okay because you know you already you know you got me in the door so I was kind of invested and you know that's how it works sometimes doesn't it yeah. you know like we're all fans of bands for some of their older stuff and they do newer stuff and we try to like it and we want to like it and we do like it a little bit but we might not have liked it if it was by someone else you know it's funny is that something you've ever like struggled with with um, being objective to songs that you've written at the time and you know trying to take a step back and yeah definitely um i think i'm getting better at it i think the more i produce the more i produce other bands the better i think i'm getting judging my own songs i think um which might be a, a weird thing but like there's a handful of Sharp Shock songs at the moment that could be out. Yeah. Basically, we've got enough songs. We could put out album three. Right. And we've got enough songs. But I'm starting to get to the the point where I'm just like, instead of just putting out songs, I was just like, hey, if I'm actually producing it and like, because the first couple of Sharp Shock records, honestly, they were really DIY. It's just like, I've got this amount of songs, so we put that out. I've got this amount of songs, we'll put that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this time I'm just like, so really, if I'm honest, the, there has never been a whole lot of effort put into anything Sharp Shock's done. It's been a oh, very interesting okay. thing. Yeah, it's not too forced at all. And we've just been lucky to do what we've done and have, you know, tour with everyone that we've toured with. And 
have you know Matt Skiba put out our first couple of albums and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, of course. We've just been really lucky, but there's been no master plan behind Sharp Shack. And so I've definitely come to the point now where I'm like, I'm looking at this handful of songs that could be Sharp Shock's third album. And I'm kind of having that conversation with myself. Like, do I, do we just put this out? Does it matter? You know, we're not, we're not Green Day. It doesn't have to be thought about that hard. Yeah. But there is part of me going like, you know that like you've got four, five bangers and the others aren't quite as strong. Oh, interesting. I know that. I know that in my heart of hearts. So, you know, either I put something out that's, you know, it's 60% or I keep writing. <laughs> could, could you not just put an EP out with like four or five str- really strong songs? And I've thought about that as well, but I just, I, we're not really sure. Okay. What was the gap between um, Suede Head and Sharp Shock? Like how did kind of uh, Suede Head fade out and Sharp Shock become a thing? Just to just Suede quickly Head. draw back into the timeline quickly. Yeah, Suede Head, Suede Head faded out because... We were, we'd done a few, again, we'd done some awesome stuff. We got played on K-Rock here in California. Mm-hmm. We'd mm-hmm. been touring with Social Distortion, Flogging Molly. We played Coachella. That was a quite a highlight. That was awesome. That's very cool, yeah. Yeah, and we had um, uh, Brett Gerwitz from Epitaph who was trying to sign us. Oh, really? Okay. Who, to go into the story a bit more, Yeah, Brett was the first person that wanted to sign when I said the, f- the first bit of buzz was happening with Beat Union, Brett wanted to sign us, and we would have at the time been, we would have been the first British band to sign to Epitaph. Really? Yeah. And it's oh wow, it's a long long story short. I yeah. won't go into it, but it just did it didn't work out. It didn't end up happening. And um, Brett was really interested in Swaded as well. And he came okay. to and he was going to sign us. He was talking to our manager, Shane, and yeah. it was verbally, it was pretty much a done deal. And then it just, it fizzled out a bit. I think he, he stepped back for a second and I think he had, his words were, he was having a hard time. Again, Swader didn't quite fit in the scene. He was, yeah. loved the songs and he loved the band, but he was having a hard time working out, I think, how to market it and how it would fit with Epitaph at that time. Okay. Um, it just kind of fizzled. And um, and at the time, Swaded was was a seven-piece band. And really? every we Yeah, because we had horns. Yeah, yeah. We had drums, bass, two guitars, keys, two horns usually, sometimes three. So sometimes there could be anywhere between five and eight of us on stage. So it was just an ordeal to kind of, even to plan a rehearsal to make any show kind of happen. And it just got to this point where every show that we were playing was kind of just draining money. Like no one was, okay, yeah, no one was making any money. And um, I've always said like, I don't, I don't, I never got into music for the money, but I, I didn't get it in. I didn't get into it for the debt either. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I yeah. had yeah. kind of experience of like Beat Union falling apart. I was in this slightly different phase in my life. For whatever reason, I was getting paid working in a studio recording bands, and I had a lot of records going on at the time. I was. I think I was about to do a, a Throwdown record, and I was just kind of. I was just that kind of studio world was starting to open up to me, and like bands were hitting me up, and I was. You know, yeah. I wasn't. 
I'm still not some super producer and I'm still trying to be better and work on my, my craft, you know what I mean? Yeah. And my trade. But things were kind of just developing and for whatever reason, I kind of looked at my life and I was like, this, this side of music is paying the bills. I'm work, when I work in the studio right now, that seems to pay the bills and like I seem to pay my rent with it. And this side of me being the performer, songwriter person is kind of just draining money and it's just not working. Yeah. One of, it's just got really hard. And, and, I, and the fact was I had these two different sides and I loved them both. Right. And so I wasn't selling out in any way. It was just kind of like, right now, this one is working and this one is Got delivering you. and is, this one's kind of happening. So I, I just started putting more time into the studio stuff and I was like equally fulfilled, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And I just had a, you know, a couple of bands that had kind of done all that stuff, like got, got an agent, got, an, got a manager, got radio play, had label interest, toured with everyone under the sun, and again, it's not about it's not about it's not like you do it all for fame or anything like that. But it's just a bit when when there's that spark and it kind of moves to the next level. Yeah, things progress on their own. I think it's easier to kind of follow it through. And Swayed was just kind of naturally. And again, it just formed for a laugh. It was just it was only because right. Mike called Mike Ness called and said, "Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah." It was all so natural. It wasn't premeditated or manufactured. So when it it also just, when it started to fizzle out, it just felt like the right time. And I was just busy with the studio stuff and that was fulfilling. So I just kept my head down and kept concentrating on producing and engineering and followed that path. So you did that for a bit and then it was just like, you just wanted to kind of form another band and like with Sharp Shock, was it always going to be like a part-time thing and, you know, the odd tour here and there, like what... <laughs> again beat union was this really premeditated like i say we were just beat union were was four working class kids working minimum wage jobs yeah hating their life and wanting to change something yeah actively like trying to get away from that trying to go on tour trying to sign a deal trying to change our lives and ever since then i think it's just been more it's just been more organic and more natural so Oh, yeah, I was working in the studio a lot. I kept bumping into Dan, Dan Smith, bass player of Sharp Shark, mm -hmm. who we'd met. Backstory on me and Dan is that Dan's old band was signed to the same label as Beat Union Science Records. Okay. So I met Dan in probably like 2007 or something, and we'd just been mates and kind of been in and out of touch for years um dan actually lent i remember he, he lent what he did his his van we did a suede tour in dan's van i think at one point and so dan had just been in a friend acquaintance for a lot of years and i kept bumping into him and he had this idea of like jamming doing a band yeah um, he was busy with his tattoo career dan's like a you know very well-known tattoo artist got his own shop uh, captured tattoo okay um and he was at the music game out the playing music game as well, like I was. And he just, he had this idea, we should get together and jam. And I was like, ah, oh, I've got some songs. Let's do it. Okay. Songs and then played them for Skiba. Matt Skiba released them. And it was the next thing, you know, we're just in this other like organic band that just kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> how, how were you friends with him? Was it? Cause you, you did some, like, do you do some engineering on an Alkaline Trio record or something prior to that? Is that how you know him? 
Yeah, so Alkaline Trio recorded their Damnesia record with okay. producer Cameron Webb. Cameron's a good mate of mine. And Cameron well, Cameron, he's, he's done a lot of stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, Cameron's, yeah. Cameron's awesome, man. He's done a lot yeah. of great stuff. And he's, he's a good friend of mine, and he's helped me out a lot over the years. And he had me um, assist on, on a few of his records, actually. But um, I was assistant engineer on that, so I was, you know, setting up microphones and gear and patch bays and stuff for Cameron. And um, that's, that, that's, I think, how I met Kaline was on that record. And then okay. a few years later, I think I, rec- I recorded an acoustic song with Matt. He wanted to do a B-side for his, for his solo record for The Secret. Oh, yeah. Matt's yeah, yeah. Secret. So we did a B-side together, I think it was. And then Dan had also, Dan's old band, The Deer and Departed, had toured with Alkaline Trio. And, you know, we, we were both mates with Matt. And um, uh, so I think Matt was just just naturally kind of wanted to help, just being a friend of ours. Nice. Do you, you, do you talk to Matt much these days? I, I see him wearing like the Sharp Shock shirts and stuff still. Yeah, yeah. I haven't spoke to him in a while. So, I mean, with, with COVID and stuff, and he's okay, very... Yeah. He's definitely very busy in Blinkland. Obviously, yeah. yeah. No, it's, I think his life's changed a lot. But he actually texted me the other day. Um, but we haven't had a whole lot of contact with it. I mean, it generally just feels like these days, the past year, it feels like bands, I mean, they exist online right now, you know. But yeah, like, of course. That. <laughs> so at the moment, it, it's such a strange time, man, because it just feels like, your identity is taken, you know, I think for any musician, it's a, it's a weird time. And I think we're all struggling because yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Of course our bands do still exist on some level, but yeah. if you're not out there playing, it's like, if you're not out there playing and rehearsing and doing that, are you even in a band? You know, like, right. it, yeah, it's so weird right yeah. now. So it definitely feels like things have changed to, to the way they were a couple of years ago. And then I suppose like it's, it, Obviously, you mentioned face to face earlier, but like you know, you, I know you did the bad cop, bad cop record, which came out not that long ago. Obviously, we've talked about Love Breakers, got that album coming out this summer, finally. I think um, you know a few singles already out on that. That's some big tunes on that record. Um, is there any any other bands you've worked with recently that have kind of really excited you and impressed you? Yeah, I'm actually juggling. Juggling a few full-length records at the moment between different bands and artists. Um, right. I'll give you the I'll give you the lowdown. Okay, working on a a full-length record for an artist called Susie Moon. Susie okay. is an awesome songwriter. She was in the band Civet, who were on Hellcat Records. All oh, right. Okay. Toured with Beat Union years ago, so I've known Susie forever. But Susie's right. doing a solo thing now. And we just worked on a few songs that have become her first single. Um, and that's just about to come out, I think, on Pirates Press Records. It's an EP okay. called All the Shots. And so I did some work on that. But me and Susie are actually working on a 10-song debut album. Um, right, okay. So working on that. Also working on songs with an artist called Taylor Blackwell, who is... Uh, an actor from LA. Um, she was in the band The Tenth. The Tenth are on a little bit of a hiatus. They're not doing much at the moment, obviously through COVID and stuff. And mm-hmm. Taylor's been working on a solo record. Um, 
And that's a there's like a bubblegum pop punk side to it, but it's definitely more. You know, there's a couple of songs that are on this on the side of her band, the Tenth. I think fans of the Tenth will like a couple of the songs, but there's definitely a few songs that get into like Bell and Sebastian territory, or like a folkier kind of acoustic Solomon Garfunkel territory. Um, okay. So we're working on that, but she's an up and coming. Um, actress she's been in, in some stuff and been on tv and stuff so i think she's got a bright whether she accelerates in acting or music or both but i think she's a very just a you know a young talent and i'm really just excited to see what you know she's in her early 20s and you just go right man you've got your whole life ahead of you yeah 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 definitely the other record i'm juggling is a band called upper downer they're in a punk band from la that I would say are somewhere between I hear elements of like propaganda and no effects and maybe some leather face, maybe even a little bit of like blink part. There's, there's definitely some kind of blink. The, the vocals are nothing like blink. The vocals go more on the kind of leather face, Frankie Stubbs, yeah. Yeah, you know, side of things. Um, but some of the melodies and stuff and guitar work makes me think of like, Propaganda, no effects, Blink One Eight Two, which is a interesting mix. But I'm working on their record, and that's an it. You know, they're just a they're a little punk band from LA. But right, the guitarist Chris Kehoe, like he he can fucking rip, man. He's a great guitarist, and he writes great songs. So another one that I'm just kind of excited about what they'll do. I, I hope they like they're just self funding this record, and I just I hope like they can find a label to put it out. Um, or get some kind of attention because yeah. they're, they're a really, really cool band. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, well for the listener, we'll certainly uh, link all of all of these artists in the show notes. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll find them all on all their social medias and stuff. Cool. And yeah, hit me up if you, if you need those links or anything. Or... Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Have you, have you got anyone coming in soon that you're excited about? Or, That's or all the, the Slash that you can talk about. There's a few things in the works. Like I know... Um, um, I can probably say this now, but I think I think Lovebreakers, awesome Brummy band. Yeah, um, yeah, certainly aware of them. Yeah, the record, the debut album that I did is you know it's coming out, and we're already trying to kind of talk about this, the second one. So I, I don't yeah. know if it's definite, but they flew out here and worked with me on the first record, and it seems like they want to do the same thing again on the second. Awesome. Which I, I really, really hope they do because that got a special place in my heart, man. I love them. And yeah. I, I really want to help them through the second record as well. Um, yeah. Templeton Peck are another Brummy band that are talking about. Oh yeah. Coming out recording with me at some point. So okay. They've been around a little while. Yeah. They've, they've been around, but I did their last record and. Um, oh, did you? Okay. Again, it's all funny how stuff pans out. Like Kev, the guitarist from Temple, Templeton Peck, he did front of house sound for beat union. Um, on a handful right. of tours, so yeah. you know we're old mates, and um, it's just funny how everyone's life just keeps, you know, um, entwining. I guess, and yeah, yeah, it's all connected. With lives, it's all yeah. connected, isn't it? Is there is there any? Um, it's all connected. Oh, I see it. Nicely done. Hey. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the only person that would get that, but since you love it. Well, yeah, well, that, that's fine with me. You know, <laughs> you, you've read the room nicely there. Um, 
So a bit of a broad question, but I am genuinely curious if you could get anyone in your studio like next month to record their next full length, who who would be contenders for that? (laughs) That's a great question. I've always this. Okay. This is a weird thing to say, man, but I had a conversation once with someone about if you had like, if you had a dying wish, like if you were terminally ill. Yeah. Like, what would you try and make happen? And I always thought, like, I'm a massive fan of Descendants and All, especially, yeah. the, you know, the Descendants side project, All, which Des- yeah. Descendants obviously just overshadows All, but I'm a fan of All just as much as Descendants. And just because All are the underdog, I'm almost a fan of them more because of that. And anyway, obviously, Bill Stevenson needs no yeah. introduction, but he, you know, one of my biggest influences, all those cats that are kind of wear those hats of being a songwriter, musician, and a producer engineer, like that stuff has always been a massive influence on me. Um, so it's like someone like that, he doesn't need anyone else recording him. It's like Bill and the blasting room are always going to take care of that. Right. Um, but I would love, you know, that's kind of like a dying wish for me. It's like, man, could I record Descendants or All? <laughs> it's never going to happen it's never going to happen so to be like come and do a song with me and let me produce a song let me record you all you know like, so it'd probably be descendants or all real quick what's your favorite descendants or all song there's so many good ones so many good ones um descendants descendants you gotta like there's obviously like old school descendants and new school descendants. Yeah, yeah, and it varies. I think ultimately everything sucks is just the best record. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, I think "Thank You" or "She Loves yeah. Me" are the best songs on those records for me. "Thank You," "She Loves Me." Yeah, "Thank You" is the one about. Um the bat thanking his favorite band basically isn't it it's been so long since i've listened to that record actually supposedly about black flag is it black flag okay yeah yeah i think alvarez wrote it about black flag is what i read um right for all there's far too many maybe she's my ex she's my ex or million bucks mm-hmm. i was just what randomly on my ins you know when you're on instagram just hit on the search thing and random videos pop up. I had the random performance of million bucks on Conan from 1995 that I was just watching this afternoon. I've so seen funny that. that. You say that. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So good. So good. I mean, you talk about how times have changed. Like, you know, t- talking about punk, the, you know, the punk bands getting major record label deals. Yeah. The, the kind of deal and the things that beat union got to do because of the time and the place and the era we were in. And now you see bands like, say, Lovebreakers, yeah. or Templeton Peck, and these bands like manage themselves and be more, a little more DIY. Yeah. You know, case in point right there, a punk band playing guitar music like that, like All and Million Bucks, being on Interscope Records and doing a Saturday Night Live talk show on like yeah. prime on telly doesn't really happen these days. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, good. it's so interesting, many, like, isn't it? There aren't so many. Of course, like guitar music still matters, but I don't think there's so many like pop punk bands doing that kind of thing. It's not. It's not the 
big thing of the moment you know what i mean no i mean there's there's exceptions to the rule like you still you see like all-time low people like that being really huge and being on things like that but generally it's not the same as what it was yeah but they're all but the thing is i think it's interesting is they all made their name the spark or the the way the explosion happened it happened years ago so they're still kind of i don't know you take it you take a new band like a newer punk band doesn't quite reach those heights. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think Sharp Shark will ever be on Conan. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it'd be interesting to see if like those times come around for this kind of music again, you know? Yeah. 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 I think, it, yeah, I think it could happen. I don't want to say that Sharp Shark will never be on Conan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not, it's not quite, it just doesn't happen quite the same these days, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's funny. Probably wrap this up relatively soon as, you know, as, as fun as this is, and I'm sure I could talk all night, but, you know, let's, let's you know, keep it as concise as we can. But um, I guess, like, before we, you know, obviously if there's anything else you want to mention while, while we've got here, obviously, obviously grab me, but um, I'd, just one thing I want to ask you about before we go is just like, you know, being English like myself and like, you know, I've always had like a love for California, been there many times and stuff. Never lived there though. As, as someone who's lived there, you know, a decent portion of your life now, like I'm assuming overall you like it more than living here, but like, could you pinpoint anything particular that you like more about it? And is there things that you miss about the UK and UK culture that, you know, we, do you see yourself back in the UK one day as well? Like, you know, sorry, I'm asking you about seven questions at once here, but no, it's it's interesting, mate. I uh, I think about this stuff regularly. I actually recently got dual citizenship, so I'm actually now an American citizen and an nice. English or a British citizen, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man, it's it's. It's been an ongoing thing. That that is a, that questions a can of worms, but I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely I miss stuff about British culture every single day of my life. I miss the sense of humour. I miss you know there's something so unique about British uh, sense of humour. Yeah. Um, I miss British food. I miss uh, British. What, what British food do you miss? I mean everything. I miss. I miss a Sunday roast. I miss a Sunday dinner. That's. I mean that's just a classic uh, British staple, isn't it? But then just like chocolate, British chocolate is a you know a big thing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, like my my experiences in America and California. Like you know there are there are food examples that obviously they do better. Which you know the, you know there's Mexican food for example, but there's countless examples. But yeah, things like crisps chocolate like if you yeah. take like a, a british twix for example and an american one and and like taste the difference like american ones are fucking horrible in comparison <laughs> you know? and like just bread in general is not as good it's little things like that you know that they don't yeah. do as well so i yeah i can understand why <laughs> there's all yeah all those differences um i miss even though i'm not really a drinker these days i, I don't right really drink alcohol anymore that's something that's i mean i've just grown out of that i think and right. that's a story altogether but i still yeah. miss british pub culture you know getting together yeah. and having a point with your mates or whatever that's obviously different um 
However, you know, upsides to America really is, or at least California, I was always taken with the weather. Right. You know, having the, the sun and the palm trees and living by the sea, by the ocean, is, it's unbelievable, really. Especially coming, you know, coming from around Birmingham and like in the inland yeah. Midlands of the UK. Before yeah. I, okay, so I came on tour in America for the first time when I was about, I think about 25, yeah. um, 24, 25. I'd been to the beach, to the seaside, you know, 10, 15 times in my life, something like that, you know? And it's funny now, like I live right by it, but when I think about that and I go, at 25 years of age, the amount of times that I'd seen the sea that it's yeah. in the beach and the ocean. That's, yeah, that's mad. Yeah. I, I could practically count on one hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it's like... Different so that, story, isn't it? Yeah. So so my first year or two here was definitely always just like, wow. And so, I actually rented a house on the beach for a while, purely to like fulfill that need of just like, I'm here in Southern California, I'm living on the fucking beach, and me, me yeah. and my girlfriend at the time, we rented a place... And I was just like, I'm fucking doing it, man. I'm going to do it. So I definitely, you know, the weather here is great. But really, my reason for staying was just was just life and these opportunities and these doors within the music world were of open to me. That yeah. really, that's the reason I stayed. Is that music was number one in my life, and I did not, like I said before, I didn't want to keep working at Harris Brush Factory. I didn't want to yeah. keep washing cars at Neil's Garage. I didn't want to keep delivering car parts at Bromsgrove Motor Factors, you know, as yeah, as, as, yeah. as much fun as, and good times I actually had at some of these jobs. I just knew that I had a certain talent where I could do something else with my life and that, and that wasn't fulfilling my potential. So America just, like I say, we, we had some good success in the UK as well, but America just seemed to open the doors for me. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Yeah. Maybe it's some hippie shit to do with the universe or your fucking life contract or fate. I don't know. I do not know. But for whatever reason, you know, for as, for as much as I've beaten the door down in California and hung on to the dream, yeah, the doors have also been slightly cracked open and I've had these opportunities and it's like, it's always felt like I've had like a carrot dangled and then I've had to fucking grab it with both hands and yeah. hold on to it for dear life, you know, and here I am, uh, you know, 10, 15 years later with citizenship and I'm still here. So I just keep, and that's where my studio is now, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. we just keep it going. I do think I'll be back in the UK at some point. Okay. Oh, interesting. What just kind of sometime in the distant future? Well, I don't know for sure, but all I know is it's, it's where I'm from, right? It's, yeah. It's family are, and like my my mum and dad are getting older, and there's just that thing of like, I don't know. At some point, are they going to need me to look after them, or what's yeah, that? Yeah. You, know, you just as you get older, you just start to see a bit more of that in the future, and you just go. That that was part of the reason for getting my citizenship is that I just knew that if I had to, I can now come back. See, when I was on a green card, I could, I could, you could lose your green card at any time. Right, right. With my citizenship, if I have to go back for any kind of family responsibility or anything, if I, if I have to go back to the UK and 
maybe work for a year or something like I can do that and still and come then come back, back again. Got you. I don't know what the plan is, honestly, because um, that would be quite messy and it all costs a lot of money. So I will say this: the immigrant life, it's not fucking easy. It's, it's right. You know, it's yeah. Like there's something even even having my dual citizenship now. I think I'm going to be. I think that means that I pay taxes in America for the rest of my life. So even if I really? did come back and live in the UK, I th- something like I'd have to pay tax in both countries. There's oh wow, there's okay. loopholes, man. Where p- people think it's a fucking dream, but there's it's a double edged downsides, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. But long may your um, the thing you've got going out there continue and just get more and more successful, man. And you know, people keep seeking you out to do their records. And, uh, yeah, I think I, you know, I only see good things for you, man. Thank you, mate. And yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up, hit me up. There's a, there's a website, DaveyWarsup.com or my Instagram is usually the place. Dave, uh, Warsup. Yeah. yeah. Ob- obviously we'll link all of that. So that that's the best place if, if, if bands or whoever want to reach out to you. Absolutely. I, I always, uh, I'm a fan of a DM. If you want to hit me up, send me your demo or anything, I'll always, I'll nice. always get people back. Yeah, I heard you saying that on Mike's show. Actually, that you know, I thought that was really cool. That you know, you always you, you just encourage bands to reach out to you. You know, even if it's just getting your opinion on a song or whatever. And like, I, you know what, Davey, I can vouch for that because I've, you know, as I've said before on this show earlier on, that I've been in bands over the years. I've sent you stuff, and you, you've always got back and said stuff. So I can vouch for the fact that that you're not bullshitting here. So that's awesome. I yeah. didn't know you sent me stuff. Actually, that's that's awesome. So we've yeah, I haven't I haven't sent you anything for years, but uh, it's you know, and it goes back to that whole thing of uh, not being able to be objective with your own work or whatever. So the stuff that. I look back that I've sent you in the past that I'll cringe at massively. You know, a couple of more recent stuff I could, I think still holds up, but you know, it's how it goes, isn't it? Well, right here, case in point, mate, I, I'm a big believer. Like I've, I've talked about, you know, these bands that I'm working with and people that I met years ago. Yeah. I'm a big believer in the way life unfolds and kind of what goes around, comes around and all that kind of stuff. And so right there, I didn't even know, but you, you know, we're connecting now on this podcast. Sure. I didn't know you sent me demos in the past. It might have been <laughs> 10 years ago. It might have been two years ago, but I wasn't aware of that. Now, had I just not had time for you, you know, or never, whether it's like I'm too busy for people, whether yeah. it's like I'm in rock star land and not down to earth enough or whatever, but there's a lot of people that like, I don't want to be too hippie, but closing the door on opportunities or the universe, I think it's a bad thing. You've got to be open to stuff. Connecting with people is what makes life unfold and makes the wheels go around. I'm I'm a big believer in that. So the very fact that I answered to you, had I not, if I hadn't had enough, if I hadn't had time to listen to your demo or write back to you, maybe you wouldn't have hit me up to do this podcast, you know? There you go. There you go. God knows we'll, be in touch again in another 10 years i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well well you know if things pan out with love breakers hopefully we'll, we'll touch base before then man absolutely <laughs> but anyway man I'll, I'll let you go um this is thanks so much for doing this it's uh it's been really fascinating and i always like these ones man because you know as you can tell i'm you know a fan of the stuff you've done throughout the years so i didn't have to do that much research for for this one and that's always a bit easier i can just 
you know, I didn't have to look at my notes for this one. I could just uh, reel off the thing, which isn't always the case, but you know, so so it's nice to do one like this. <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Anytime, man. All right, stay in touch, Davey, and Cheers. enjoy the rest of your Friday. Cheers, pal. <laughs>